Welcome back to The Daily Drum on WHUR, Sirius XM, Channel 141, 96.3 HD2 and 98.3 FM. This is the Inside Segment. I'm Harold Fisher. Are you finding that you're having some difficulty controlling your bladder? Are you perhaps leaking a little when you laugh or cough or even just sitting still? Well, you may have what is called urinary incontinence. Well, November is National Bladder Health Awareness Month. Yes, this is a delicate topic, but one we feel should be discussed on this Medical Monday. Joining me in studio is Dr. Tatiana Sansis, Chief of Urogynecology and Reconstructive Pelvic Surgery at Howard University Hospital and Associate Professor with the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Howard University College of Medicine. Lines are open if you have a comment or a question on this Medical Monday, 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. You can X me at H. Fisher, W-H-U-R, or find me on Instagram at Harold T. Fisher. Dr. Sanchez, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much, um, Harold, for inviting me to speak about uh, uh, bladder issues. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of people are probably really uncomfortable with this specific part of the body when things seem to go wrong. How, and I, and I would imagine that more broadly, um, bladder health can encompass a great many things. And I want to get into that. But first, I think one of the things that may be most common or people are most familiar with is this urinary, urinary incontinence thing. What is that exactly? So first, uh, to comment uh, on uh, uh, whether our uh, patients are comfortable speaking about uh, bladder issues and specifically urinary incontinence, it is considered to be a stigmatized uh, condition. Uh, so it's uh, it's almost from the point of weakness. And a lot of uh, women, and I speak uh, about women because I'm a urogynecologist, but it's the same for men as well. Uh, patients just are not comfortable uh, to speak uh, about uh, the fact that they're not able to uh, hold the bladder water, mm -hmm. as my patients say that I can't hold water. And uh, they're embarrassed to talk about um, that they need to have either assistance or where it depends, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the bladder health issues include other conditions, uh, not only uh, urinary incontinence. So I do... Uh, while our talk today mostly about urinary incontinence, I do want to put a word that uh, bladder health um, conditions not only include urinary incontinence, and I would say the most common ones are urinary incontinence. Sometimes we call it overactive bladder, which includes also symptoms such as urgency, uh, frequency, or even uh, getting up at night frequently, uh, such as nocturia. Or uh, women also frequently have something called urinary tract infection. So these are probably the most common uh, bladder health conditions that um, I take care of in my clinic. Now, on the other hand, there are also some other uh, less frequently uh, uh, less frequently conditions that we see in the clinic, but they also could be quite devastating for uh, our patients. For example, uh, painful bladder syndrome, where you feel like you have a urinary tract infection, but you don't have positive urine cultures. Uh, so th uh, this condition could be devastating and quite, qu quite chronic and severe uh, pelvic pain 
uh, disorder. On the other spectrum of the condition uh, of bladder conditions, we can have something called urinary retention. So it's opposite from uh, urinary incontinence where you just can't urinate for whatever reason. You just reason. can't go. Yeah, you just can't go. So that's that's also would be something that we'll be treating. We also uh, treat uh, women with uh, dropped bladders, or sometimes we call it cystocele or uh, bladder prolapse. Uh, that also happens uh, quite commonly. Uh, and there are some other, of course, uh, conditions uh, that um, uh, we treat. And uh, some of them also I even refer to my urology colleagues, for example, bladder cancer. So that's just in general about bladder health. And I just wanted to just mention sort of general scope of um, uh, bladder health issues. But going back to urinary incontinence, as I mentioned, uh, my, my patients frequently describe this as uh, can't hold water. Mm-hmm. Um, and following my patients, now I ask, do you have leaky bladder? And uh, there are various types of urinary incontinence, uh, but most uh, frequent, most common ones are stress urinary incontinence. That's the leakages with coughing, laughing, and sneezing. Urgency urinary incontinence, that's when I call it also gotta-go sensation. And most of my patients immediately recognize when I say, "Do, do are you able to make it to the bathroom? And they say, no, uh, where I... Um, I'm not able to make it to the bathroom and I start losing water before actually um, making to the bathroom. And then there is a, actually a huge chunk of um, uh, women have mixed urinary incontinence, which is incontinence, which is a combination, a little bit of stress and a little bit of urgency. And, and everyone is individual at this point because everyone has a little different sort of scenario of uh, what their symptoms are. The other less common types of urinary incontinence, for example, incontinence without awareness, where women don't even have an idea of when incontinence happened. They just know that they need to wear depends because um, it's constantly wet. Um, continuous incontinence that can happen with a uh, condition that uh, thankfully doesn't happen in the United States very o- uh, very often. It's called fistula, vesicovaginal fistula. It's a common condition in, in developing countries uh, after obstetric trauma. So that's where abnormal communication between uh, the bladder and vagina or um, urethra and vagina. So again, this is not common in the United States. Uh, and um, there's some other uh, less frequent uh, ur- uh, u- types of urinary incontinence as well. Hmm. Fascinating. 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. We are talking about bladder health on this Medical Monday. If you have a comment, if you have a question, give us a call. Lines are open, as always, up until 8 o'clock. Greg, calling from Baltimore. Greg, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Uh, yes, good evening. Um, I uh, I have an issue, and I, I'd like to ask the doctor. Um, I've had uh, issues with my prostate, you know, enlarged prostate, and, of course, that causes you to go to the restroom a lot. But it seems like uh, is, there, is there an interconnection between these two problems, or, um, you know, are they completely two separate uh, issues? Um, and also, my other question is, I take something called alfuzinosin, which... Um, tends to help it. Uh, what, are your, what is your opinion of alfuzinosin? Do you think it's uh, a good drug, or do you think uh, there's something I should look into uh, uh, otherwise? Uh, you know, the problem it gets really bad sometimes when I'm driving to work. I, um, I, I refuse to wear the pens. It's just one of those things. And, you know, I keep, 
I keep cups and things, and I try to get to nearby service stations. But at some point, you know, it, it, that can be a problem. So, How old uh, are you, Greg? It. How old are I'm, you? I'm 60 years old. You're 60. Uh, doctor? Uh, Greg, thanks for calling in. I do have to give you a small disclaimer. I'm not a urologist, so I only take care of women uh, with urinary problems. But uh, what you are stating is extremely common, and I do have my uh, urology colleagues who take care of issues that you are describing. And uh, the uh, mechanism for urinary incontinence and like frequency urgency for men uh, related to prostate could be slightly different uh, than for women. And of course, in uh, I'm sure that you, you have urologists who already evaluated you for, uh, for your symptoms. And generally, the discussion should be, uh, you know, how much of obstruction you have from uh, prostate enlargement. And I know that, um, again, my urology colleagues can do some procedures to sort of open the urethra for you. But uh, the medication that you mentioned sounds like it's uh, something that uh, I know is used for uh, initial symptoms, but you should have a conversation with your urologist whether anything else also could be done. Uh, Greg, thank you so much uh, for your phone call. Uh, 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. This is our Medical Monday conversation. We are talking about bladder health tonight. Regina, calling from D.C. Regina, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Good evening. Um, my question is, can the side effects of certain medications cause incontinence? Regina, you are so right. Absolutely. Um, and some of these medications are not even uh, related to bladder symptoms. I can give you just one example. For example, ACE inhibitors uh, can cause, as a side effect, worsening of your chronic cough. And chronic cough, if you have mild stress urinary incontinence, can actually cause worsening of stress urinary incontinence. There are a variety of medications that can uh, affect um, urination, whether it's more frequent urination, for, for example, diuretics. And uh, there are some medications can also cause urinary retention where all of a sudden you can't uh, empty your bladder well. And that, in, in effect, if you do have retention, sometimes you can start having something called overflow urinary incontinence. So to answer short to your question, yes, absolutely. What is overflow urinary incontinence? So this is something I actually did not mention, but that goes again into uh, the category of urinary retention. So um, bladder holds urine, uh, and if if uh, uh, bladder overflows, where all of a sudden the capacity of bladder is uh, less than what uh, amount of uh, urine you have in the bladder, so it starts overspilling. So it's kind of like an analogy of full bowl of water. So mm-hmm. and if it's too full, it's going to start spilling. Uh, but uh, for patients, they can't really tell that, oh, I have a full um, bladder, so their symptoms are the same. Urgency frequency, they're running to the bathroom, not able to empty completely, but in fact, the issue is uh, that their bladder is just completely full. Hmm. Regina, thank you so much for your phone call. 202-319-7810 We are talking about bladder health on this medical monday if you have a question or a comment give us a call b calling from maryland thanks for calling what's on your mind yes uh i just want to i have a question about the uh the overflow um i'm having problems with my uh, bladder as well um the thing is i get up all night long to the night just constantly using bathroom sometimes when i go 
Um, if I have to go, like I heard it say earlier, if, you, if I have to go real bad, I'll start leaking before I get to the bathroom. Um, also, sometimes when I think I'm done and I, you know, and I'm, I exit the bathroom, it starts coming out again. Mm. Uh, and this has been going on for over a year. Yeah. How old are you, B? I'm 56. 56. Doctor. Yeah. So, B, again, thanks for calling. Uh, and uh, this is something that is very common uh, among men. So I definitely want to make sure you don't feel uh, like this is something just affecting you. And your first uh, order is to either speak with your primary care doctor who can refer um, you to a uh, specialist, uh, to a urologist, so you can uh, address your symptoms and uh, discuss potential treatment options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because, you know, Dr. Sansis is a a urogynecologist uh, specifically specializing in treatment for women. And so we wanted to make sure that our listeners uh, did understand that. Uh, but B, thank you so much for your phone call. To, to that point, Dr. Samson, beyond the obvious, uh, what is the difference between bladder issues for men when compared to women or vice versa? What is it, you know, what makes women's bladder health different from men's bladder health? Well, anatomy, women right. don't have uh, prostate and men don't have vagina. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, some of the etiology is different. Uh, obviously, uh, women, for example, have uh, bladder prolapse where men don't. Um, Again, the uh, pathophysiology or etiology, why frequency and urgency can be quite different for men and women. So there, there are many differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to take a break, but Wanda calling from D.C. to Wanda calling from Odenton. We are going to talk to you next. So please, I need you to hang on. I promise I will get to your phone calls. Lines are still open at 202. 202- 319-7810-202-319-7810. I promise you will be able to hear the program as we continue our discussion on this Medical Monday about bladder health. Don't forget, you can hear every edition of the Daily Drum Insight segment via podcast on whur.com. And of course, you can download the 96.3 HD2 app on your smartphone and hear the program live in its entirety. Pat from Frederick, we're going to talk to you as well. So hang on. The Daily Drum will continue on Sirius XM Channel 141 and 96.3 HD2. I'm Harold Fisher. John Mons is next with the original Quiet Storm. That's on WHUR. We'll be back on Sirius XM Channel 141 in just a few seconds. Welcome back to The Daily Drum on Sirius XM Channel 141. I'm Harold Fisher. On this Medical Monday, we continue our discussion about bladder health. My guest is Dr. Tatiana Sansis, Chief of Urogynecology and Reconstructive Pelvic Surgery at Howard University Hospital. She is also Associate Professor with the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Howard University College of Medicine. Lines are open at 202-319-7810, 202-319-7810. Let me go back to the phone lines to Wanda calling from Odenton. Tawanda, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Yes, I have a question. I wanted to know, is there a cure 
for the urinary incontinence? Million dollar question. Um, urinary incontinence is a chronic condition, uh, just as uh, hypertension, diabetes, uh, or uh, asthma. Uh, it needs to be managed. Uh, it can be addressed to the point where uh, you're able to move on uh, with your social activities uh, without needing to wear depends. But generally, it is a chronic condition, so it 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 just needs to be managed. Yeah. Uh, to Wanda, thank you so much for your phone call. Wanda, calling from D.C., thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Yes, good afternoon. My question is very straightforward. Are there any specific exercises that you can do to strengthen your muscles in your vagina to help you restrain from having the leakage, as you refer to, when you get trying to get to the bathroom? And yes, I'm 60 years old, so we don't have to ask that question. <laughs> Thank but you, Wanda. when you're going down the steps, it just decides the flow wants to start coming, even though you're trying to squeeze those muscles. Um, is there any specific exercises? that you could do. Yes, and thanks for uh, your question. Absolutely. And this is something that uh, every woman should know about and know how to do the exercises. The exercises are called pelvic floor muscle exercises or sometimes they're so-called Kegel exercises that are named after Dr. Kegel in 1948. But um, this is something that also you should discuss with either your primary uh, gynecologist or just even come to for an evaluation, for example, in my office and we'll be able to discuss. And also uh, we will be able to uh, sort of go over the technique of how to do these exercises properly, but I'm generally a very big fan of exercises. Hmm. Well, there you go. Hey, could you spell Kegel? Kegel, it's uh, K as in Key, E as in Edward, uh, G as in George, E as in Edward, L as in Lucky. Again, please, a little... Kegel. Kegel exercises. <laughs> K? K-E, uh, G as in George, E as in Edward, L as in Lucky. We can have a separate uh, session just on Kegel exercises. <laughs> I'm sure we could. They're just important. They're just so. as important uh, for men and women. I'll, I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Wanda. Two zero two three one nine seven eight one zero. Two zero two three one nine seven eight one zero. Pat, calling from Frederick, Maryland. Thanks for calling, Pat. What's on your mind? Hi, this is Pat from Frederick Merlin. Yes. I have a question. Now, the bladder, is there a type of medication that you can use to stop the leakage? Yes, there are a variety of medications. Uh, there are currently two classes uh, that with different mechanism of how it works. And one class has been around for many, many years. And uh, what it does, it uh, blocks the bladder contraction so you have uh, enough time to make to the bathroom. And these medications are called anti-muscarinics. And for example, the most uh, old, old, like oldest medicine is oxybutynin, but there's some newer medications uh, like Fisicare, which is generic salifenacin, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Tobias. Uh, there are about uh, six, eight medicines on the market. And then there's a newer class of medicines, uh, which is called beta-mimetic or beta-agonist. It actually helps, rather than blocking the contraction, it helps the uh, bladder to relax. So again, but the end mechanism is the same. The end result is the same. It allows you 
more time to make it to the bathroom. So, and these are two uh, drug classes that we we use for our patients with uh, overactive bladder or urgency urinary incontinence. Mm -hmm. These are the most common in the United States. Pat, thank you so much for your question. Uh, One more more question. If this was mentioned to my primary, would she be able to know what that is? Yes, uh, she should be able to, but most welcome, uh, please come and see a specialist and we're happy to see you in the clinic. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank of course. You, Pat. Uh, Thank let you. Let's talk to Crystal, calling from Maryland. Hey, Crystal. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Hi. I am thirty, very young, um, and I've been to a doctor before, and they told me it's not a UTI or anything. But I'm constantly going to the bathroom, like another caller said, in the middle of the night. As soon as I drink something. And I'm having pain on my left lower back. So should I go to just see a, a specialist about that? Absolutely. And um, I just uh, recently mentioned that some of the uh, one of the conditions for uh, for your symptoms could be something uh, called uh, painful bladder syndrome, which is something that needs to be evaluated in the office. So, yes, especially if it's chronic and it's been going on for some time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Thank you so much. Um, I have a lot of questions for you as Fantastic. well. You know? um, but our, our our listeners obviously uh, have have well founded concerns, and one of the things that we hear so much talk about these days is water consumption for health, you know, staying hydrated and, and the like. But I, I'm I'm sure that for people who are having bladder problems, drinking a lot of water, drinking a lot of water can be problematic. What do you tell them? Does it depending what depend on what the situation is, particularly for people who have urgency or frequency issues? Absolutely. I'm probably just one specialty that does not push to uh, patients drink more water. Uh, obviously, if you have a, quote, small bladder, uh, then uh, you, you if you drink a lot of water, you will be running to the bathroom uh, more frequently. So the, eight, the, the myth about uh, drinking uh, eight cups of water a day. Or eight a, glasses. Yes. Eight glasses. Uh, it yes. is a myth. And obviously, you need to be staying hydrated. And I'm not going to be encouraging my patients to, uh, to be on the on dry side or dehydrated. But for some of my patients, when I ask them to do a bladder diary, which is something where we monitor the fluid intake, sometimes I do need to tell them uh, to cut down on uh, your water consumption because that's one of the reasons you're running to the bathroom frequently. How do you balance that with the risk of dehydration? Well, it's individual. Uh, So I, for example, I've had some patients who would drink like three, four cups in a session, so obviously for for those patients, I I, I would not be concerned about dehydration in general. Uh, one sort of quick and dirty trick for my patients to know if they're getting dehydrated is just to check the color of urine, and if it's light uh, or like almost clear, then you know you're not dehydrated. But on the other side, if it's like getting dark or like concentrated yellow, that would be uh, when you might consider drinking more water. You did mention urgency. 
where someone feels that they have to go, but then when they when they get to the bathroom and nothing happens, what causes that? you very observant in the definition. In fact, that's exact definition of uh, urgency. That's uh, uncontrollable sensation uh, to needing uh, to need to go to the bathroom. Um, there are many, uh, many reasons why this can happen. One, for example, uh, urinary tract infection that would make this false sensation of needing to go to the bathroom. There are other conditions, for example, uh, urgency is considered to be part of uh, overactive bladder syndrome, which is um, a um, condition that has frequency, urgency, nocturia, and also uh, sometimes it's we call it dry uh, overactive bladder or wet overactive bladder, where in addition to urgency, frequency, and nocturia, you also have urgency, urinary incontinence. For some women, it's also lack of estrogen. Uh, for some women, it could be even drop bladder. So differential diagnosis for this symptom is quite actually broad, which is one of the reasons why women with constant sensation of needing to go to the bathroom probably eventually will need to have an evaluation with a specialist like a urogynecologist or urologist. We've often heard that it's recommended that for bladder health, you drink cranberry juice. Good idea or bad? Or does it matter? To prevent urinary tract infection, uh, there is some research on, in basic science that if you take cranberry extract, uh, this can prevent for bacteria to stick to the bladder wall, hence cause less uh, damage or less inflammation in the bladder wall. So for women with uh, recurrent bladder infections, I do recommend uh, cranberry extract, but not cranberry juice because Ocean Spray has not a lot of cranberries, has a lot of sugar. So mm-hmm. uh, for some of my women, especially if they have diabetes, it's just not uh, great to drink uh, juice that has high content uh, of uh, sugar. But generally, I do recommend cranberry tablets for my women with recurrent urinary tract infections. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So now... Outside of the ocean spray thing, but those who may may find something else that may have 100% juice, is the concern the same with the sugar intake? So, no. Generally, if you even if you make your own juice, that's great. Also, out of cranberry, especially as we're coming into a season, so enjoy cranberries as, as much as you can. Uh, it is not a regulated type situation, uh, so we don't really have strong evidence to say, oh, you need to eat X number of cranberries a day to prevent blood infections, but generally there's no harm in it, so I... I'm happy whenever my patients follow my uh, advice on just improving their diet and taking their cranberries. <laughs> oh, there you go. 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Cheryl calling from D.C. Thanks for calling, Cheryl. What's on your mind? Um, I have a question. Sure. I just wanted to ask her, is it possible that uh, young kids of the age of six-year-old can get a uh, urinary tract infection? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, this is something that, uh, especially if, if it's just one uh, infection, that's probably can happen. But if there are recurrent urinary tract infection in children, that needs to be evaluated with a pediatric urologist. Okay. Mm. That's what I needed to know. Okay, yes, thank absolutely. You. Okay. Thank you, so, thank much. you so much, Cheryl. One other thing, often we hear about bladder issues, particularly incontinence, 
with people who are of you know middle age or older people. However, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this can also be an, an issue for new mothers, those who have had uh, you know, who have had children or several children. Talk to me about that. So I like how you categorize middle age and older women. So yeah. because there's actually some difference. Uh, some difference in mm-hmm. uh, types of urinary incontinence. So our research um, and epidemiological data suggests that middle age and this is the uh, women also after deliveries. Uh, they frequently have something called stress urinary incontinence, which is related to pelvic floor muscle weakness. That's the leakages with coughing, laughing, and sneezing. On the other hand, uh, older women, uh, they tend to have more of a uh, overactive bladder uh, type picture or urgency urinary incontinence. So eventually the rates of stress incontinence and urgency incontinence kind of flip. Uh, in early ages, it's more frequently stress urinary incontinence, but as women get older, they get uh, more frequently urgency urinary incontinence. But going back to uh, pelvic floor trauma, it's it, it's definitely a uh, an issue after deliveries. And Uh, Women uh, are at risk of developing urinary incontinence even during pregnancy uh, as pregnancy progresses, especially in third trimester. And then also depending on uh, what delivery they had and if they had significant trauma or tears. And some of these tears are not even seen because they're more related to pelvic floor musculature, which is way underneath the skin or vaginal mucosa, uh, urinary incontinence can uh, occur. The good thing is generally that uh, usually uh, the trauma eventually, uh, women recover from trauma and within six months, uh, most women will bounce back and they're back to normal. Women who are not definitely need to see a urogynecologist or urologist. Is there surgery that can help with uh, urinary incontinence? Absolutely. Um, So there are surgeries for stress urinary incontinence, and you might have heard something uh, like bladder lift or maybe a bladder lift. Bladder lift. Yes. What is bladder lift? No, you you may have heard. I have not heard. Okay. I've heard of lifting other parts, but not bladder lift. Yeah, so um, because of there is a pelvic floor muscle weakness in the area, so if there is relaxation in the bladder area, or sometimes we also call it uh, urethral mobility, so not to go into much detail, but basically the... uh, pelvic floor or anterior vaginal wall is not stable anymore. So then to stabilize this, uh, we have a corrective procedure, which is called uh, midurethral synthetic sling or just the sling. Say that again now. It's called what? <laughs> did I say it too fast? Yes, you did. <laughs> that just, okay. did, you feel, did you feel the breeze from that? I was like, whoa. Yeah, so roll up my window. Okay. All right. Well, uh, all right. I'll slow down. So uh, we do procedures to either support urethra or we do sometimes a procedure to bulk up the urethra so kind of like make the um uh the urethral lumen narrower and hence there's less incontinence so these are kind of two uh types of urinary incontinence uh procedures specifically for stress urinary incontinence we also have some procedures uh, surgical procedures for urgency urinary incontinence and just to uh separate these uh, two types of urinary incontinence and finish the conversation the most common procedures that we do for urgency urinary incontinence 
on already for women who failed pr- uh, other treatments like medicines or exercises that we already talked about. And uh, the most commonly ones performed is uh, something called intradetrusor bladder uh, Botox injection. Uh, and that's an injection in, inside the bladder muscle to relax the, on the bladder, the same mechanism to paralyze the muscle. And then also we do something called uh, sacral nerve modulation. So various types of uh, nerve stimulation. Sometimes there's a tibial nerve stimulation. So where it's kind of like acupuncture also. So it's a less invasive compared to sacral nerve modulation. So these are just procedures. Oh my gracious. So, yes, there's a lot of, a, <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> a lot of uh, treatments that we can do, which, mm. is, which is a great thing. Yes. Um, if they work, and we would hope that they would work, you know, they would be successful. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Adrian calling from New Orleans. Adrian, thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Good afternoon. I feel like you guys crafted this show especially for me. We did. Uh, for <laughs> for our our Louisiana listeners. Please go right All ahead. All right. <laughs> so I have had this bladder problem for many years. I'm 66 now. So I would say every bit of 20 years. But you can imagine that each, each, each year it has gotten worse. So now I'm constantly getting up through the night and going to the bathroom. One night I measured how much urine I'm putting out during the course course of the night, and it was um, it measured uh, 32 and 30, 64 ounces of urine during the course of the night. So that's like from 10 o'clock at night until maybe 6 o'clock in the morning. By Friday, maybe Thursday, I am so exhausted mm. because of I'm, I'm just not getting enough sleep during the night. Any suggestions, doctor? Absolutely. Uh, so a couple thoughts in my mind. Uh, obviously, uh, the condition that you're describing, we call it Nactura. That's where you go into the bathroom frequently. And uh, one thing that needs to be checked is also what are you doing? How much of urine you're producing actually during day, uh, daytime in, re- in uh, reference to nighttime? Because sometimes... Uh, there is a condition, something called nocturnal polyuria, where basically you just make a bunch of urine during nighttime and not much urine during uh, daytime. And uh, that is something that uh, needs to be evaluated uh, with your uh, doctor. Most of the time it's going to be either urologist or your gynecologist just to check a uh, water balance. Obviously, some other conditions, even uncontrolled diabetes can cause uh, these things. And overall, once other old conditions ruled out, uh, eventually the treatment would be just to come down your bladder during, uh, during nighttime. But that needs to be done by sort of excluding uh, this uh, this type of situation where you're just making more uh, urine during uh, nighttime, which is 64 ounces at uh, nighttime. I'll, I'll be quite suspicious for that. Okay. That's, that's a lot, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And usually the normal urine production, you should be doing two-thirds of uh, urine production during daytime and one-third during nighttime. So you can kind of you can do even your own little homework. You can see how much urine you're making during daytime and do a little bit of math. And you'll, you'll already even make your own diagnosis. <laughs> and then you can go to a doctor and say, this is my problem. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. I am totally enjoying this show. Oh, thank you, Adrian. I appreciate you listening all, all the way down from in, in the Big Easy. I appreciate yes. I appreciate that quite a bit. One of my favorite cities. Thank you. Uh, 202-319-7810. 202-319-7810. Doctor, can you talk to us about the, the importance of emptying your bladder um, before sexual activity? Um, why is that something that should be done or or does it matter? For healthy women, I would say we don't recommend that, you know, you have to stop everything and run to the bathroom. Uh, so it is not something that uh, we recommend clinically. Why is that? I mean, aside, well, aside from ruining uh, the from mood. A practi- aside from yeah, ru- uh, ruining why, the mood. You, you know, yes, if everyone's in the mood, why would yeah. you say... <laughs> Hold a second, I gotta run to I the gotta bathroom. Run to the bathroom. Yes, I'm unless sure. unless you have urgency urinary incontinence. Yes. And mm-hmm. you gotta empty your bladder. So it's more sort of related to what your situation is. Uh, now some women uh, we won't also want to have uh, empty bladder, for example, if they have frequent urinary tract infections. But generally, medically speaking, uh, you know, you don't really need to think about uh, emptying your bladder right before um, sexual intercourse. Hmm. Just enjoy the relations. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, you you mentioned urinary tract infections as it relates to bladder health. Why is it that that you know that some women, even even if they are not sexually active, okay, um, but are are getting frequent urinary tract infections? What could be causing that? So first of all, uh, sexual intercourse is one of the most common risk factors uh, for especially young women to ca- to have uh, urinary tract infections. So that's something that we address first. But uh, for women who uh, whose urinary tract infections are not related to uh, intercourse, we are thinking about anatomical issues. Uh, we're also, if women are older, we're thinking about lack of estrogen uh, that uh, can also lead to uh, increased rates of urinary tract infection. Why would lack of estrogen lead to UTI? So women generally are protected by estrogen throughout their lifespan. Uh, as estrogen level drops uh, during menopause, it only continues to go down. Uh, we don't fully understand the effect of um, estrogen on bladder wall, the vaginal mucosa, and the ligaments or the structures, supportive structures uh, in in the pelvic uh, floor. However, we do know that generally it leads to the thinning of the um, vaginal mucosa and the bladder mucosa, and that overall uh, decreases the defense mechanism for women to protect themselves uh, from urinary tract infection. So it's a kind of combination of things. It's just, if you think about women just become more vulnerable to the bacteria, and because the anatomy for women is slightly different uh, than men, as you can imagine, the urethra is very short, it's very close to vagina, it's also very uh, very close to anal opening, and anal opening rectum, the bacteria that causes 80% of urinary tract infections just normally resides uh, near anal uh, opening and in the rectum, so it's very easy for uh, for these bacteria to kind of get into bladder in women, and it got, gets much easier as um, women lose estrogen. Would estrogen treatments help with that? Men? No, no. I mean, in in other words, 
If, for women? For yes, women, yes. yes. In fact, uh, vaginal, well, vaginal estrogen, that's something uh, where we utilize specifically for uh, for for prevention of recurrent urinary tract infections. And this is something I utilize very, very frequently, uh, specifically to urinary tract infections. And even sometimes I've had, uh, for example, if, if a young woman is also on, for example, birth control pills for a long time mm. and they develop sort of this state of low estrogen in the vagina where I can see the vaginal walls are now very pale, it looks like they're just lost bunch of estrogen. So sometimes even a young woman, uh, I put them on vaginal estrogen. We don't use it. We don't. We don't recommend oral estrogen. So it's more like cream. And I, the way I explain to my women is just moisturizer for, for the vagina. Well, yes. Then there's that. Um, you said pale, and that just struck me because since I am not a gynecologist, um, what should the walls look like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, since, 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 oh. we're, since we're here, yes. you know, because I, I really I really want to make sure that I sound smarter than most yes. men when it comes yes. to the conversations I have with my sister friends. Yes, well, uh, so vagina is a very special organ. It has very special function during childbirth. I've and always said during, that. And, you know, it's a sexual organ, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, uh, vagina is created to be... Uh, uh, with lots of folds that can sort of stretch out, which is very important uh, for delivery and also during sexual intercourse. So it's usually the, the walls are thick, pink, with lots of folds. So that's normal, healthy vaginal uh, mucosa. As women lose estrogen, they lose the folds and uh, the color of the vaginal mucosa become, uh, bec- become uh, becomes more uh, lighter and lighter. So the thickness of the vaginal wall is um, is lost as well. That is fascinating because, uh, again, uh, all jokes aside, you know, as a man, that is not necessarily something that uh, I don't. I don't think a lot of men know, you know, and for and and I think it is important for you know men who are you know who are married to women or who have female partners that this is the kind of thing that they do need to understand. Because if they don't, then this information just goes right over their head, particularly, as we said before, um, in men who are involved with middle-aged women, men who are involved with you know older women and the like. I think this is important information for them to have. Absolutely. And uh, the way I remind my women uh, is uh, that when we're young, the, it's, it's sort of opposite to what happens uh, with skin as women age. So mm. when we, you know, uh, the vagina uh, first is all wrinkly, uh, but as we get uh, older, it's opposite to skin. So now vagina gets smooth and the skin and the uh, face skin gets wrinkly. So and when you're young, vagina is wrinkly and your face is smooth. So that's usually a joke that I make uh, in my clinic. But uh, yes, it's extremely important for partners to understand uh, the normal physiological changes um, as uh, the uh, you know the <laughs> the couples progress through their lifespan, and to make sure that they still have happy, uh, intimate relations. Final thoughts about uh, bladder health. If you could kind of sum it up for 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 those who still are trying to you know figure it out. I I I'm, I must say. It is much more complex than I would have imagined it would be. 
absolutely. And uh, you know, I'm in the same uh, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I study pelvic floor disorders for 20 years, and the more I know, the less I know. So it is a complex uh, situation, and uh, it takes us time to figure it all out. And I don't have answers for all my patients sometimes, which is then I just tell them that this is what I know, but this is what I don't know. Well, Dr. Tatiana Sanchez, I, I want to thank you for talking to us. I appreciate your sense of humor. <laughs> My and, pleasure. <laughs> as well as, well as uh, your, your intellect, your knowledge, and, and your guidance. A very, very important thank conversation. You very much. I really appreciate it. That is The Daily Drum for this Monday, November 6th. I'm Harold Fisher. Good night. <laughs>